Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing cemeteries. So let's get started. It may seem like a strange topic, Lindsay, but again, it's always good to be uh, here with you to, I like to talk about some so. strange topics. I do too. Um, there are people that, that don't want anything to do with them or would never go to them. Uh, I go to cemeteries all the time. I will stop in at cemeteries if I have a chance to, to do that, certainly where my parents are buried. Mm-hmm. Um, cemeteries uh, really are can be fascinating places. True. And there is a tremendous value to them that I believe at times we as a culture and uh, as individuals at times we fail to appreciate the the value of, of a cemetery. There's a historical value, there is uh, a familial value, there is uh, for us as a church there is a, a theological and religious value that that speaks to our theology, our understanding of, of what it means to be Christian, of what it means to be baptized, of what it means to believe in some sort of afterlife. So cemeteries can really, you know, just touch on a lot of different levels. And, uh, and, and, and I just thought it would be good for us sometimes just to reflect a little bit. Now, here at Holy Angels, I was just asking uh, Barb about the, you know, how old it is. And uh, she was looking in some of the books, and we do have uh, some of our plots were purchased and burials and such in the late 1800s. So the cemetery here for Holy Angels goes back a long ways. Um, I don't have the exact date, but the fact remains, it goes back a long ways. Well, and it wasn't always where it is now. That's what I heard also. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you... I think on Main Street where the McDonald's is, I think that's around where it was. Okay. And then it was moved? Uh-huh. Wow. That, that's an interesting part of the history mm-hmm. then. Uh, I was, I was not aware of that. As far as I know, yes. I was not aware of that. I could be that. telling you total lies, but that's what I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, my suspicion is that, you know, it would be unusual. But, I mean, to move a cemetery is no small mm-hmm. feat. Uh, anyway, now it would not be at all. Mm-hmm. It might have been a little bit easier in the sense or more uh, possible to do that in the past but sure. certainly not um, certainly not now with the rules and regulations that that we are uh, that, that we have to follow and it probably wasn't as big as it was as oh, it is now I would suspect not so that probably helped too one of the things to to grow in an appreciation of cemeteries we need to first go to the funeral rites mm. I mean, as much yeah, as as much or as strange as it might seem, is that the funeral rites uh, again are born out of a particular theology. Not only where we um, we commend people to God, certainly that is part of the funeral rite, but it also is for to raise the hope of the believers, and it's to give witness to the faith of the faith in the future of what we believe takes place, you know, in the future. We weren't meant, or we believe, that God did not simply place us on the earth here so that we live, we die, and then become some worm's happy meal. Is that 
there is something that is meant for us, the purpose for being here and such. There is something much greater that takes place in the future. Not only do our funeral rites speak of that and the prayers, and, and I know that you have been at any number of funerals because you sing for them and such, mm -hmm. is that the prayers speak of not only what we experience now, the fact that a loved one is dead, is deceased, but it also speaks at the same time of a future yet to be. Something yet, something wonderful yet to come. And that something wonderful is that ultimately that we become one with God in the kingdom. That is what God hopes for all of us. And, and so at times when we fail to appreciate not only the funeral rites, which again, those sometimes we also, many folks fail to appreciate that. And can say, say, well, what's the difference? It's just spending a lot of extra money. Yeah. Is that, uh, and by the way, you know, doesn't necessarily cost anything for a funeral rite to take place. Um, is that, you know, so if, if finances were ever a hardship, money is never, never the issue. But we want to make it that because that gives us an excuse mm -hmm. at times. But it's. It's begin recognizing that at times we, we because we, we fail to to um, to see the value in that, which reminds us of the future of what is yet to be, but what has already been, where we are now in the in the pain of loss and, and such, but also the joy that can be brought to us because we are believers, because we believe deeply in our heart and in the theology and the rituals that God's intent for us is something more, something bigger, something wonderful yet to be. Funeral rituals and seminary, cemeteries, <laughs> not seminaries, <laughs> mm, cemeteries, like yeah, uh, remind us of that something more. And, and they can place us in a state in the sense of being able to have a place, a spot, where we can not only contemplate the love that we had for our ancestors, for our family members and such, but we can contemplate also at the same time that one day as believers, we believe that we will meet and enjoy the company of our family again in time to come, in the kingdom. What that exactly will look like, don't have a clue. That is something beyond us. But it somehow does recognize the fact that it entails some aspect of the physical body that we were a part of. Now, why, why do we say that, you know, when we talk about the risen body of Christ and such? Because in the scriptures, and, and this is repeated time and time again uh, in, in, in the Gospels, is that after the resurrection experience, the disciples encounter the Lord but virtually every time they don't recognize him. Now, if you had spent three plus years, you know, basically eating, sleeping, living, uh, walking, talking, all of these aspects of, of a person for three plus years, you would think that you would recognize them unless they were in a fake mustache and a hat. Um, I think of Groucho Marx, you know, but you would think they would have recognized them, but something was significantly different to where each time 
They did not recognize him until he said, you know, peace be with you. He greeted them. He called them by name or he celebrated what we have come to know as Eucharist with them. Then it says their eyes were opened. They saw him for who he was. Um, and, and he would say to them, don't cling to me. Now, we also know he wasn't a spirit. He wasn't Casper the friendly ghost. <laughs> he wasn't somehow a disembodied whatever. He, because, again, he, they report the experience of put your hand into my wound. Put your fingers into my hands. Um, you know, give me something to eat. Something was very real there, but it was something different. What that was, don't know because we weren't there, and that is something that we will experience ultimately in the kingdom. So what the cemeteries and what the funeral rituals can do for us, it can bring all of that to mind, that somehow in that kingdom, when, when everything is brought together, that I am going to be joined in some manner, shape, or form with those people that have gone before me. Um, and, and, you know, different people have different sphere theories of what that means. To me, it's, it's all speculation because the only person that's ever, you know, died and come back was the resurrected Jesus. Um, and so we'll leave that in his hands rather than in, uh, various books and movies and Lord knows <laughs> what else that has been out there. <clears throat> you know, it's, when we think about our funeral rituals and the music that we use, the prayers that we use, um, the rites that are engaged in, is that it's, it's about, you know, the fact that, that we were created, that God created each person for ultimately eternal life. And uh, again, sometimes we forget that too. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> that we also can forget that we believe the dead are still one with the community, that we call it the community of saints. It's interesting how there have been all sorts of theories, and I and I have some family members too that are working with a number of theories in different programs of, of the healing of our ancestors and such like that. Okay, um, my comment though was, yeah, we, we've been dealing with that for close to 2,000 plus years. It's called the community of saints. You know, we believe that all of those folks that have gone before us, that those folks that are in the kingdom or, or whatever that means, you know, again, there are all sorts of approaches to that, um, is that there is the connectedness with them through the death resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's the connector. That it's not like somehow, you know, we have to um, go through some, you know, magical uh, renditions of music or, or rituals to somehow to break through the veil of death. <laughs> There's no quiz or something? No, no, there's no quiz. There's no magic foods. There, you know, we don't have to cut off body parts and stuff like that. It's being able to recognize that it is Jesus that connects us with those who have gone before us. That the prayers that we say here have an effect. The prayers that are done there have an effect on us. Is that, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is that no matter how we try to explain it, 
we always explain it in inadequate in inadequate ways. Mm-hmm. How does the finite people like us? How do the finite possibly grasp the infinite? And I don't believe it's really possible. So when we talk about... We don't use enough of our brain for that. Well, you're probably right. There are theories about that, you know, <laughs> in, in uh, when, when we talk about the... Or the ancients would talk about the Shah men or Shah women, that they were able to communicate. And there are theories that that may very well be something that was able to do because we have used science in some ways as our cure-all for everything <laughs> that we have forgotten how to use that aspect of our of our brain and and the depth of spirituality that is possible really? there are lots of different theories uh, about that and some very actually some very credible people the, the the point being though is that you know no matter how we talk about things whether it's about the kingdom whether it's about you know purgatory whether it's about everybody in heaven is supposed to be 33 years old whether it's about everybody you know everybody is wearing blue it's all <laughs> inadequate because we're trying to describe something that we cannot grasp that we cannot wrap our heads around so we use the language that we can mm-hmm. you know, and i would compare it to this if if somebody in my family or somebody that I know about or whatever <clears throat> has gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of money. We might today, when I was growing up, we would say they're a millionaire. <laughs> or today we would say they're a billionaire. Yeah. Well, what happens if they have a billion one hundred thousand? We don't call them a billion one hundred thousand heir. We use the term billionaire millionaire to say they have lots of money, more money than I or most others could ever, ever imagine, is that it doesn't make a difference whether they have 950,000. We call them a millionaire. The same thing happens when we talk about heaven and the kingdom and such. We can only use terms or concepts that somehow help us to, to grasp the meaning, but recognizing it's it's always inadequate. It's always inadequate, uh, and that it never really captures. And and so when we think about our funeral rituals and our cemeteries, these are ways to experience or to describe or to uh, to bring to people an understanding that we cannot fully grasp. But what we do is that we do talk about the fact of, of a cemetery, a place. We talk about, you know, uh, purgatory as a time of cleansing. We talk about everybody being 33 because that supposedly is the age Jesus died. We talk about everybody wearing blue because that's supposedly what Mary wore. All of these things are totally inadequate. But they do help us to grow in an understanding. It's what we can understand. Exactly. And so we have to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. So when we speak about, you know, the the aspects of of, uh, of uh, a cemetery and such, is that we are talking about that there is a communication between the dead and the living. There's a spiritual bond between us, and 
folks will talk about that if you give them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. They have to feel safe because any number of folks have spoken to me about the bond they feel with a parent, with an aunt, with a special friend, with a spouse. Now, they will oftentimes start out by saying, you know, Father Howard, you'll probably think I'm crazy. Sure. But, and I'll usually respond after they have told me what they're going to say. As I would say, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think there is something very special or whatever that you have. It is a sacred gift. Is that, and I would say to them, don't necessarily be afraid to talk about it because there are a whole lot of other people that are experiencing what you experience. But see, we live in a world of science, and and we have somehow we have allowed science to, you might say, to to gut our ability to have the spiritual experiences. You know, it's it's not uncommon for children. Uh, counselors will talk about this. Spiritual counselors will talk about this. Uh, children will say, I saw grandpa yesterday. Children will say, I spoke to my special friend today by the tree. Children will say to you, that tree has all sorts of colors around it. And usually we'll say, nah, you know, that's just kid stuff. You know, they have, you know, an imaginary friend or an imaginary rabbit, you know, like Jimmy Stewart, you know, that type <laughs> of stuff. And and what folks are beginning to understand is there very well might be a whole lot more to it than we imagine mm-hmm. because they haven't allowed science to kind of poo-poo, uh, you know, the spiritual experiences. They haven't been, you might say, corrupted, you might say, with with science. And not that science is bad. It's not. But we've allowed science in so many ways to overshadow or to somehow um, disavow or cover up the spiritual experiences that we have so that somehow we think that if we have those, we must be nuts. We must be crazy. When it may very well be grandma speaking to that child. It may very well be your spouse who is speaking to you or you have an experience of. It may be very well a spiritual entity that is connecting with you. We just need to be able to admit that and sometimes to embrace it, I would say, because it is a tremendous gift. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, though, is that we a lot of times don't have people who have, find it difficult to talk about, you know, the devil made me do it. Or, you know, there's just an evil spirit here. But we will think that people think we're crazy if we say that there is a good spirit. True. There's a good yeah. spirit there. And that, you know, we, what, are we, what are we trying to express when we talk about guardian angels? We talk about the archangels. Is that why do we find it so hard to believe that, that the power, the grace, that, that the God we believe in and love and pray to is a God that, you know, we find hard to communicate with us. Cemeteries and in, in, in all of that can speak to all of that. And, and, and that's where we, we can sometimes, you know, lose a sense of the sacred and a sense of the sacredness of the body that we have been given, you know, while we live here on earth. <clears throat> So it's, 
when we when we look at you know just for example the um, uh, the rituals and such, these are celebrations that in so many ways are not just there so because we don't know what else to do. We would create something if we didn't have it. These are moments where they can truly be celebrations of hope and of consolation. Even in the midst of our tears, they can celebrate hope and, and a sense of consolation. So, okay, then what about these places of committal? These places that we, we call cemeteries, these places that where we go and, and, you know, if a person is not afraid to, some people don't like go, going to them at all. Mm -hmm. uh, others, as you were saying, you do, and, and, and I don't have a problem with it at all. I do it on a, on a regular basis. Whenever, usually I go home uh, up to see my sister, is that I usually don't pass that far away from where my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, and other members of my family are buried. Um, and, and so you just, sometimes I'll spend a few moments, sometimes I'll spend an hour. Mm -hmm. it, it all depends on what kind of grabs me at, at the moment in time. These places, these physical sites, they speak of hope and they speak of resurrection. Um, speaks of that communion that I, I mentioned before, that communion that exists between, you might say, the church on earth and the church in heaven. They're not just a place where we dump the remains of our loved ones, you know. These are sacred spaces. These can be places where we communicate with those who have died. Um, not that we're necessarily hearing voices or anything like that. Some do. I'm not saying God can or can't do whatever or whatever can happen. Is that we have lots of different experiences. But the fact is, is that they can be places where there is a communication between those who are here, ourselves namely, and those who have gone before us. Um, can be a moment of great peace, a moment of great insight, a moment, well, maybe we do hear something in our own heads and in our hearts. Again, not crazy. Um, maybe we're just spiritually open to the possibilities and the grace of God blesses us with you know, those kinds of moments. Um, that, you know, it's also rooted in the fact, Lindsay, that, you know, this body that we have, whether we like it or not, and whether it's size, shape, or form it is, the fact is, is that it is that which houses the presence of grace in God. It is that which our scriptures tell us is the, te it is the temple of the Spirit. What does that mean? It means it's sacred, you know. <laughs> who, who cares, you know, whether or what, what, you know, what temple it is. It means that this body that I have is sacred. It is holy to God, and it should be holy to me. If that is indeed the case, and we as believers believe that, then once my time is up here on earth, then I believe it carries over that what we do with the remains of this body, what I do with it or whomever takes care of that for me, mm -hmm. should somehow reflect the belief of what I believe this body is. And this is where we lose a lot of people when it comes to those who have died. You know, particularly, you know, with uh, when cremation was not allowed and we, when we didn't have Virtually, you never heard of cremation at all. It wasn't all that long ago. You know, when you think about just 
um, you know, in the, in the 90s when it was really starting to take off, is that maybe 5 or 6% of people had were cremated. Now it's right around 70%. Wow. I mean, the, 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 how rapid it has grown. And part of it is, is cost. Part of it is for lots of reasons. Part of it is the industry where you can make out of your remains diamonds, uh, jewelry, uh, you know, a chain for your dog or make your dog a chain for you, uh, you know, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But what we do is that we lose a sense of the sacredness of who we are as human beings. And so we end up, you know, storing mom or dad or grandma's or grandpa's remains on a shelf and they might end up in the garbage or in a dumpster someplace. Yeah, if someone doesn't know what they are. Exactly. Uh, we end up just leaving them there, not knowing what to do with them. And so we go out and in a, in a flower garden and we throw there because we just don't know what to do with them. Now, Though this church discourages, you know, emptying remains and anything other than in sacred ground, is that at the very least, if a person goes, you know, to a, let's say, a sacred space for the person, and I'm presuming that is not the, the, the city landfill. Maybe they really liked garbage. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we won't go there, will we? Uh, but if it's a sacred space, though certainly not encouraged, it's better than having it end up in the garbage. Sacred small s, right? Yes, yes. Sacred to the person that passed away. That is correct. What the church's preference is, is that it would be in sacred space, i.e. a cemetery, blessed ground. Because even when we bury someone, for example, in Washington County uh, Cemetery yeah. here, is that there are two different prayers that we can use when we have a committal. One prayer recognizes that the place we are uh, placing the remains is already blessed. Another prayer blesses the place where the remains will be placed. Okay. Okay? So in using that logic, then it doesn't matter if you're in a Catholic cemetery or a city cemetery, right? Or does it? In a sense, it doesn't because we do bless. <laughs> we can bless it. The key thing about a Catholic cemetery or one connected to church, there is a specific belief that the majority, if let's say virtually all people in that cemetery had, that somehow there is something yet to come, the kingdom. In a public cemetery, you would have everybody, you know, from those who didn't, who don't believe in God whatsoever, to those who believe that Satan is their God, to those who are Wiccan, to those who are whatever they are. Yeah. Okay. A Catholic cemetery, a Lutheran cemetery, a Christian-based cemetery, is a place where the presumption is is that these folks believed in the kingdom. So there is a specialness to it. We believe that. Um, not that God can... God I didn't can, know there was a difference, so I learned well, some things. God can do whatever God wants to do, and of course, we're not limiting God. But for us, for and I'm not sure what the rituals are for other traditions, uh, Christian traditions, but the rituals for us is that if I am in Waukesha County 
uh, Memorial Park, then I am using the blessing of this sacred ground and saying, we make this ground sacred. We bless it in God's name because this is where the remains of one of God's children, you know, is, is are laid to rest. Mm -hmm. Cemeteries overall, I think, for the most part, are sacred spaces. Although sometimes we're beginning to lose that with some of the damage that's been happening to cemeteries at different times and such. But I still, I think, you know, for the most part, they tend to be places that are respected, mm -hmm. okay? That is still a common thread, you might say, between us as, as, as a society. Yeah. That these are, uh, these are places that should be respected. We add a whole another element to it that this is a place, especially for believers that believe that there is a life after this, that this is sacred ground because th this, this is what this person believed. This is how this person hopefully lived as best they could. And we let God take care of the rest as far as that goes. Um, so, it, so these are, you know, sacred sp spaces. And so whether it's you know, say, well, you, you burned everything and, you know, it's cremation. It's like, again, don't try to limit God. You know, is that what God has in store for us is ultimately in the divine, in the divine one's mind. Um, again, whatever we try to describe is always inadequate. So what that means for, you know, uh, for someone who has remains or have been cremated to the cremations or whatever, is that that ultimately is in God's hands. The thing that, that they have spoken against, there is a new process that's coming on board where they use chemicals to basically dissolve everything virtually that the human body was and then they just flush it down the drain. Oh, now, again. Never heard of that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's relatively new in Wisconsin. Well, I should say they have approached the legislature and such to to allow it to be permitted. So you just like evaporate to nothing. Yeah, pretty much. And then it just, like I said, just goes down into the sewer. sewer. Yeah. Some of the larger bones may not be completely dissolved, so they, but they just pretty much toss that out. That's again, terrible. Yeah, but see, again, it's it, it goes against our sensitivities yeah. saying that this... This body is sacred. And um, even in cremation, you might say, it goes up to God, you know, the smoke and, and the, what is remains should go into sacred ground. So it's, it's, it's trying to help folks understand that there is a sanctity here that needs to be recognized, particularly by believers. Um, that we don't just throw it away as if, as if it were garbage, and that's the um, that's that sense of why a holy ground, a holy place, mm -hmm. where a person can go. And even the fact, you know, that there are still a lot of people when they pass by a cemetery, they'll say a short prayer, or they might make the sign of the cross, or um, you, you know that you know there are there are sensitivities there that speak to us of of why these places are important to us. And unfortunately, I think at times, we are virtually, you know, pricing ourselves out of existence by the, by the tremendous cost. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times, even that, you know, when they advertise cremation or different services, first thing you'll see is only $9.99. <laughs> you know, 
um, or 350. And it's like, you know, this is not like you're trying to get rid of an old TV. Yeah. Um, again, this is this is sacred space. This is sacredness. These are sacred things. So really treat your body in death the way you treated it in life. Yeah, and very much so. Uh, and, and so cemeteries can do that. Now, uh, again, as, as little churches had their own little cemeteries, sometimes they're not necessarily taken care of as well as they ought to be. That is a problem, particularly when you have a very small church that might be closed or a small church that just was closed up. And, and unless you have somebody that really, you know, is connected to that cemetery, a lot of times they just get overgrown with weeds. The stones fall over, um, the weeds grow, and, and, and literally, unless there were a fence or a sign, you could easily forget there was ever a place there at all. I was just talking to someone the other day. They were saying they were going in a cemetery, like looking for headstones with a stick, and had to poke in the like, yeah, poke in the ground to try and find them. Yep, and and I think we as a church we need to do better. Mm-hmm. We as a church need to do better as a Catholic church um, because you do you you travel different places, and even in even in in my own hometown. Sometimes the cemeteries can be in pretty tough shape. So all those churches, those little churches that had cemeteries attached, like the country churches that are now closed, who takes over those cemeteries? Well, that's the question that that has to be answered because, one, for many of these, there was supposed to be a perpetual care fund. Okay. Question, where did that money go? Yeah. Okay. Um, Two is that, is this something that the diocese needs to take over? Because, you know, either, first of all, they wouldn't be closed unless, for, for Catholic churches, you do not close a parish unless there is the permission of the bishop mm-hmm. or at the request of the, by the bishop and, and, and the committee that he has. So if that is indeed the case, then it's a good question. Who is supposed to take care of these? And I would say that question hasn't necessarily been answered adequately yet gotcha because there are a number of, of different churches that had little seminaries cemeteries not seminaries cemeteries <laughs> connected and they're in in pretty bad shape which actually is like weird because then these churches get sold to just random people who build right. houses so now their house is right up next to a cemetery like just crazy exactly so did they buy the land with the cemetery on it or just the house? No, you can't. They, they can't they, sell they, a cemetery. Right. They can't sell a cemetery. Hmm. Um, and there are some laws regulating, you know, the, by the state of Wisconsin about that. But even for uh, a particular Catholic arch, uh, diocese, yeah. you can't sell it. Uh, you can sell the church building. And there are some conditions that have to be met, particularly if there is a cemetery you know, connected right next to it. Sometimes yeah. the cemetery is literally around the church. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there have to be certain conditions met in order to do that. And even to that, uh, to that issue is that sometimes with these little churches, and you may have heard me speak to this a little bit, is that because the belief, you know, that if a child was not baptized, they couldn't, they were not permitted to be buried in a Catholic cemetery, is that, at times, they were buried around the foundation of the oh, yeah. church. And so now, 
somebody buys this church, wants to make it an art studio, great. But they want to do remodeling is that they have to check records to make sure because I know one church I was involved in, Wisconsin, we brought in archaeologists from the state of Wisconsin that had to check to see for bones or remains of infants around the small church. And uh, in order to, uh, you know, clear some things for some either remodeling or mm -hmm. whatever. But even when you, again, you look at that, is that the difficult situations that, that happen because of rules and regulations that we, used, we had in the past, that is no longer the case, okay, is that it makes a difference again of what we do with these sacred spaces. And so there is, it's, it's a lot of times much more complex than simply saying, well, it's an old building, let's get rid of it. it there's just a whole lot that goes into that. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it has to deal with the fact of, of, of sensitivities and, and how issues were addressed, whether you know, authorized by the church or not. People have a way to deal with these things and whether it is official or not and and so those sensitivities have to be have to be looked into so that we're able to maintain you know a, a sense of dignity mm -hmm. of, of these children uh, and you know what may or may not have been done in the past um, you know it's it's looking at this that uh, that that's why going back to you know some of the issues concerning you know cemeteries and and cremation and such. In the in in the past, you know, you always had your casket and those kinds of things, or they they were buried and you know, uh, who knows where where people were buried. You know, sometimes in 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 various places, you know, you you buried people, but again, because there wouldn't have necessarily been markers or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Lord knows until all of a sudden now you you start digging and and there are human remains. We find this. You know, certainly, for example, with the uh, some of the Native American burial grounds, that nothing is thought of it until you know you start digging and say, "Oh my gosh, there are human remains here," and we find out that it was a sacred space uh, that uh, to the Native American peoples or indigenous peoples, and so now uh, they need to say, "Okay, what what are we doing here, and why, and and how do we how do we respect the ancestors?" You know. Um, I know it even even where cemeteries are, you know, there's the controversy with the cemetery along the freeway going into Milwaukee. I think it's Wood Cemetery that for veterans and mm -hmm. for folks is that the controversy that if they widen, it may mean that some graves need to be moved. And and this is the one right by like Brewer, the Brewer Stadium, yes, right? Exactly. And. And even though the ancestors may long are no more, yeah. is that, again, the sensitivity. And, and so these kinds of things need to be handled, I would say, very judiciously and very delicately. So as, again, to, to respect what this ground is. And, uh, and not that, I, I don't believe we should be paranoid, but neither should we be so cavalier or casual that we forget what we what, what we believe, uh, because once you start forgetting to believe that, you know, then the value of a human person also goes down the tubes, because you're nothing but a meat sack 
that is, you know, going to be dead one day and big hairy deal because some bug will eat you. Lovely. Yeah, another pleasant thought. As opposed to recognizing the, again, the sacredness. Cemeteries recognize that. And so now that we have, you know, when you had coffins and all of caskets and all of those things, um, that was one thing. But now that, you know, even cremation and other processes are being uh, advocated, I think hopefully what it will do is help us to regain an appreciation of what we do and why. Mm -hmm. And even with our own cemetery here, you know, for Holy Angels, is to, you know, looking at how do we keep, how do we maintain this, first of all? How do we keep it to be a sacred space? What do we do to it to allow for people to come and visit and, you know, to be a, uh, a place where they can just sit quietly and pray? Uh, and, and they've done a good job here, you know, uh, you know, at Holy Angels. Um, and and it's, it's a, to me, it's a terribly important uh, responsibility to make sure that what we do and how we do it is somehow not done cavalierly or it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't forget why we do this mm -hmm. and, and why they're here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, sometimes I am concerned that uh, we, could, we could forget. But in doing so, again, it's not just about the spot. It's about everything else that's connected to it. Mm -hmm. It's about the theology that we believe. It's about how we recognize just you know, the presence of God in the midst of it all. So if the cemetery is a sacred space, is it kind of the equivalent as going into a church sacred space? Yes, yes, very much so. Very much so. And, and it's, you know, that's why you kind of cringe a little bit that um, when there is a lack of appreciation, um, even when, you know, very small children, obviously they don't understand. But when... Well, I don't even understand the church, so going into the yeah. church. So. But when you have grade school kids and, and, and high school and, and college and such, you know, either jumping up on the stones or, you know, throwing mud at it or, you know, breaking the stones off like yeah. some folks have. And is you, you look at that and saying, wow, you know, what happened that they were not taught you know, to sacred space. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, Catholic cemeteries. I'm talking about, you know, in some ways cemeteries in general, mm -hmm. that we have failed to teach our children that there are places to be respected. And, and whether it, to me, it's a synagogue or a mosque or a cemetery that is primarily for Jewish folks of a Jewish tradition or Muslim tradition, this is sacred space. Mm -hmm. This is sacred space. Or if I go into a building that where people pray, this is sacred space. And to treat it other than that, in many ways, is, is a real serious lack of respect. And sometimes it's a lack of respect because they were never taught to respect. Yeah. Goes for a lot of things, but particularly with sacred space. Okay, one more question. So burying body good... Cremation is okay, approved. Right. Can you turn your body into a tree? Can you get buried in one of those pods that then like decay your body and it grows into a tree? 
I have never heard of that. <laughs> now, are you talking about putting it in, you know, in any place or wherever you feel like planting a tree or? I don't know. I just know that they do that now where you're like, body can go into a sack essentially and then a tree grows from it and they use you as pure fertilizer is that approved or is that a question i would that would be a questionable practice that i what if you got buried in a cemetery your tree grows in a cemetery well i was going to say that might make the difference i don't know enough about it God. so that so i'm not sure i do from what i have read about this other process is that again basically it's it just flushed down the sewer and so there to me is like no i'm sorry no just no way um it's a cheap yeah it's pretty cheap um but it's in some ways by doing it, it costs us a whole lot more than just a few hundred yeah. bucks the uh i know that there, you know when you say a tree i i had not heard of that so i'm i'm not familiar with the process i know that people have in in catholic cemeteries and in others um, not so much Catholic, but others, where there is a, uh, a, a, a stone, in a sense, that's made into a, some, a stone looking like a stone. Okay. And then they have a cord, and then they put it in there, and then they have it, or, so, or it's in the legs of a bench or whatever. Uh, again, part of it is that why you're doing what you're doing, because one can also take the cremains, and you can basically high pressurize it and make it into a diamond mm -hmm. or a bracelet or whatever uh, again I, I don't i don't need you know my aunt or uncle hanging from my ears or from my wrist it a lot of it has to do is the belief that it's rooted in the idea being is that it is what this body was was a sacred vessel you might say for the presence of god and that somehow we should treat it with dignity and respect rather than simply approaching it in a casual way or in a novel way that somehow doesn't recognize that. And, and that, that's what we ha hopefully we can not only recapture it, but maintain some of that by keeping a cemetery a sacred spot. Okay. Lots there. Yeah, Lots there. a lot there. Good things to think about for when you're planning ahead. Amen. <laughs> anyway, all right, we're going to leave it there for today. We hope you enjoyed that, and we will see you next time.